We good? It's so good to hang out with you guys. I'm excited to be here. I'm hoping uh, that at the end of this message, each and every single one of us will have like a different take. I'm going to take you on a tough journey, a little bit of a scary one for a bit. Just hang on. It doesn't get better at the end, okay? Um, every time uh, you hear someone talk, a good message or uh, a good vision cast or a good sermon or a good teacher, if those of you have a good teacher, they a good talk will do three things. It's going to get you to think about something. Like, what do you want people to think? Then, what do you want people to feel? And then, ultimately, at the end of that, what do you want them to do? And in every uh, good communication or any teacher that you've learned to appreciate, they are making you more than likely do all three of these. Here's why I'm telling you this, is we right now spend an awful lot of time in our feels. Right? It is all about how you feel. You'll say, hey, uh, how are you doing? I just don't feel that good. Right? Most people don't go, I'm pretty dumb. Like, we don't lead with the think one. Right? It's like, I just, I, I just don't feel that smart. Actually, you should think you're not that smart because you're dumb. Right? You, sh- you recognize that. And then here's the tough part is we have a lot of feelings that don't ever manifest themselves in us actually doing something. And so there's a huge gap between what we want to see in the world and what actually happens in the world. And that gap is between what we think and what we feel from what we actually do. And when a church gathers, when a group of people like you and me gather, the end game is for us to what? It's actually to think differently, to feel differently, and ultimately to do something with it. I'm going to talk to you tonight about a topic, and we're going to spend like the first uh, 15 minutes thinking. So I need you to like put your best sixth grade self in your seat. I need you to put your listening caps on. I need you to hold your bubble so you don't talk. And I need you to go on the thinking journey with me. Because I honestly believe if you will allow me for just a little bit to engage your brain, then we will not have any hard time figuring out what we should feel. And it'll be super simple about what we're supposed to do. Deal? Tonight, we're going to talk about hell. I was told the story that my grandpa was at a church service and the preacher held up his Bible and said, and I believe what's in this book. Does anybody else in here believe in this book? And people, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, and I think that's how they clapped back then. I'm not real sure I wasn't there. And then he said, if you believe in this book and you believe in what it says, will you stand up? And all the, <laughs> grandpa stayed seated. Oh, God. <laughs> Grandpa, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't there, but I mean, Grandpa, you should probably stand. I mean, I heard you pray, like, you're a, you're a Christian. So the preacher, like, reloads the gun. I want to know who in here believes it. Grandpa stays seated, everybody else clapping. So the preacher, imagine this, calls my Grandpa out in the middle of the sermon, which is why I don't talk to you individually. That goes bad. 
says, you don't believe in this Bible? And my grandpa said, well, if I believed what was in that book, I'd live a completely different life. He's honest. What would you do if you believed everything in the Bible? Would you live the life you're living? Or would you live a completely different life? What would you do? Fact. Every single one of you in here are going to die. And just so you know, I've been to a lot of funerals. A ton of them. I mean, I, I've done I, a, at least 150, if not 200 funerals. Here's what happens. They call me up because the, I was really nice to them at a Airco gas station. And they're like, hey, aren't you the funny preacher? Yeah, we want you to do Bethel's funeral. Who's Aunt Bethel? Will you come? So then I show up, don't know the people. I try to jot down a couple stories. And then I show up, and they're all there, and Bethel's in her. And everybody, everybody in the room wants me to say one thing. You know what they want me to say? Bethel's in heaven. Do you think I know where she is? <laughs> oh, just so you know, when you go into full-time ministry, you don't get like a special button that like when you get close to them, God buzzes you and you're like, all right, I know where they are. <laughs> like, that's not, that's, not, that's not how it works. So Clayton is, is Grandma Bethel, is she, is she in heaven? When somebody asks if they're in heaven, what are they also asking? Did they go to hell? <laughs> and you want the funny guy at Airco to answer the question? It's crazy, though. It's the only question that matters to me. Everybody in the moment will be super sad. There'll be tears. They'll want me to say all kinds of really nice things. And everybody will dress up, for the most part, pretty nice. And it'll be somber. I need you to know that when the family leaves the room, the people at the funeral home, man, they move that body around like it's a sack of potatoes. They're just pulling rings off, getting the glasses, cranking it down. Sounds like, the, I mean, it's, it's medieval. It's because they're not there. there. There is nobody in the casket. It's just a body because they're gone. Now, there's some of you in here, you're going, well, they're not really in heaven. They're not really in hell. Because there isn't one. And I need you to know, I want to take you on a thinking journey. Uh, these would have worked better if I was preaching and there was a camera. So you guys are just going to have to go on this journey with me. This is my fault. There are some people, this is my atheist cup. <laughs> Whatever. Uh Okay? Uh, atheists believe solely in evolution. I'm not saying that if you're a Christian, you can't believe in evolution, but an atheist can only believe in evolution. That we are the uh, construct of a bunch of accidents 
happening at very specific times over and over again. And they believe that even though all the laws of thermodynamics apply today, there was a period in time where none of them applied. In fact, the inverse of them applied in order for you and me to be here. That at one point in time, there were out of nothing a bunch of molecules that started colliding, and then they collided in such a way, and then they began to split, and the same things that were uh, molecules now are actually uh, creating uh, life. Uh, but not just, not just life. I mean, it's one thing to create sand, it's another thing to create a tree. Sand is dead. Trees are living. But from the tree, those same molecules, somehow you have to get a me out of it. And so the trees go from just being this thing that sways in the wind and takes in uh, carbon dioxide and releases oxygen to somebody who can talk and laugh and smile and love. All out of a bunch of accidents. And all of these accidents have to happen in a perfect way, because if the sun's too close, if the sun's too far away, if the moon's too close, if the moon's too far away, if the sun and the moon and earth don't come into existence at the exact same time, you don't even get an earth, which this is not a political statement, but it is an interesting question. Why are we so worried about global warming if evolution is just what's next? Maybe we just cease to exist and people with gills in the sides of their neck are the next crew. Like, hey, let's just keep rolling with it, bruh. Right? Why are we so stressed out? Like the flying version of me is just like a couple thousand years from now. Now, these people, what happens when, in an atheist mindset, put your atheist cap on, what happens when an atheist dies? Nothing. There is no heaven, there is no hell. In an atheist worldview, when you die, it, that means there is no grandma looking down from heaven. The guy who lost his mom, who scored the touchdown, this one's for you, mom. No, she didn't see that. <laughs> she's, she's not here. Hold on. I'm just taking you through the worldview. Okay, next one. Reincarnation. Oh, this one's epic. Okay. Uh, if you believe in reincarnation, when you die, you come back. Yeah. Kind of. Um, ugh. Like, if you weren't good, you get downgraded. Oh. <laughs> Think of all of the other people who used to be a you and are now trees. <laughs> Sucks, right? Just, ugh. And then every year when you see your dad out there with a pole saw just cutting the limbs off, like, man, what did they do? Um, yeah, I mean, ugh. Also, if you're a really uh, good tree, <laughs> which I'd hate to see the grading scale on that one, um, you are just not very shady, okay? So you get downgraded again. Or you get upgraded from, like, you know, being an animal to being a human, uh, but you are a poor human. 
Uh, and go to India. There is a caste system. There are the ruling elite and there are the people of the lower caste. <laughs> the reason, and the high caste people don't spend any time or attention with the low caste people. Because the low caste people are being punished and trained from their future life or their past life. So you have people living in abject poverty as punishment. And then, if you are pretty and handsome, obviously, I'm pretty, you obviously nailed it in your previous life. So you don't die, you just come back over and over and over again. Either as a tree or something else, which makes you wonder, how'd you do <laughs> in your previous life? Or even scarier, what's the next one? Like, if you don't do it right now, <laughs> man, I tell you what, if you're a blade of grass in my yard, you're getting cut every week, okay? My kid's peeing on you. It's going to be a long life. And how long do you live as a, a piece of grass? I don't even know. I've never been there. I don't remember. Okay, uh, universalism. This one's like, bruh, roll a doobie, take a deep breath. It's going to be all right, okay? This is... No matter what happens, we're all going to end up in one happy place. Cool, man. Hey, go to church. We're going to all end up in the right place. Don't go to church. We're all going to end up in the right place. Love people your whole life. We're going to end up in the same place. Beat people your whole life. Hey, bro, you're coming with me because no matter who you are, no matter what you do, it's going to be all right. Annihilationism. Now this one, <laughs> uh, before you become nothing, you burn. And you burn, and you burn, and you burn until you cease to exist. So your last memory on earth is, ah, until you cease to exist. And then there's this crazy one. We call it Christianity. That believes that there's a heaven and a hell. Now what does the Bible actually say about this? Well, to those who are atheists, uh, atheists believe in survival of the fittest. And Jesus says the exact opposite. In atheism, uh, the way you w are in uh, atheism and evolutionism, the way you win is by stepping on other people to succeed. And Jesus says, actually, the second greatest commandment in our whole thing is to love other people the way you want to be loved. So if you don't want to step on other people, uh, don't step on people. If you don't want to be hurt by people, don't hurt people. If you want to be uh, people to be kind to you, be kind to them. In fact, he goes a step further. Instead of stepping on people, uh, he'll say things like, um, serve them. That's crazy.
Jesus. Uh, then you've got reincarnationalism, which is, hey, we'll just keep coming back, and if you're good, you'll get better. But the problem is, look what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the same power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths uh, are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul's saying, there is nobody who's good. So when you die, there is nothing for you to look forward to. There is no upgrade for you on your own account. Hebrews says this to those who believe in reincarnation. Just as people are destined to die, everybody say that next word, once. In reincarnation, you just keep dying. That's all you have to look forward to. Live a little bit, die. And when you wake up, you won't even know what you did that got you into the place you are. Universalism. Bro, we're going to end up in the same place. It's going to be all right. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why would God send his Son if we all end up in the same place anyway? Why would Jesus hang on a cross if it didn't matter? Why would Jesus subject himself to torture if in the end we all end up in the same place anyway? That's like the most loving parent in the world pushing their kid out into the street to get hit by a car to save everybody from nothing. It's crazy. Okay? Annihilationalism. You get burned up, and then you disappear forever. But what do you do to Matthew 25, verse 46? They will go away to, say that word. How long is eternal? Eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. When you die, you don't just burn for a while and then... This is actually saying forever. Revelation 21 says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. When you get in your car tonight, I want you to tap your brakes twice. Okay? 
because the reason your brakes work the way they, the way they do is because of a man by the name of Blaise Pascal, who was a French mathematician way back when. He was the guy who figured out how to navigate hydraulic pressures and the fluid a, and how uh, liquids transfer pressure, which doesn't matter to you. But when you tap your brakes and they work, it's because of Blaise Pascal. Okay? He actually made this statement. Keep your thinking caps on. He made this statement. He argued that a rational person should live as though God exists and seek to believe in God. Because if God does not actually exist, such a person will only have a finite loss. They will lose out on some pleasures and some luxury. Whereas if God does exist, he stands to receive infinite gains as represented by eternity and heaven and avoid infinite losses, which is eternity in hell. Okay, I've got all of these cups. You're going to have to squint, okay? This is us. We believe in a heaven and a hell, or at least we're supposed to. Track with me. If Christianity is wrong, everybody say wrong. If Christianity is wrong, and there is nothing that happens after we die, what happens? The word is answer is nothing. What happens here? Nothing. What happens here? Nothing. What happens here? Nothing. What happens here? Nothing. If Christianity is wrong, nothing. What happens here? Nothing. The risk you take is if Christianity is proved wrong, there is nothing at risk. Take all of the world religions and all of the world views. And if Christianity is wrong, when you die, you become nothing. However, if Christianity is right, if it's true, if it's real, and you chose this, what do you get? You get hell. And if you chose this, what do you get? Hell. And if you chose this, what do you get? Hell. If you chose this, what do you get? Hell. If you chose not to believe in Jesus, all you get is hell. Or, if you choose to believe in Jesus, and you get heaven. And Blaise Pascal screams out, why would you take the risk? The risk is, I'm going to give up some of my money to help other people know about Jesus, and I'm going to give up some of my luxuries to help other people know Jesus, and I'm going to do with less so that other people can do with more. And in the end, if I'm wrong, I get nothing. And so do you. Christianity is right, and I believe in Jesus, I get heaven forever. So why would you take the risk? And I know there's a, some of us in here going, I, I love 
Jesus and I believe in God, but I'm not a big fan of hell. I need you to know you're in friendly company. Hell is a toughie. Why do I believe in it? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus did. In fact, Jesus taught more about hell than he taught about heaven. Some people want to downplay it. Listen, heaven is the carrot. Hell is the stick. And there was this somberness about Jesus' ministry where he would weep when he saw people without faith. And he would mourn when he saw people who wouldn't believe because he knew what awaited them. And if you and I could peek for just a second into hell, we would weep too. Because how can we, people who sing about the greatness of God, talk about how much we love Jesus, be so quiet about the realities that are at stake? We are more concerned with how other people view us than where other people are going. Right? Some of you are going, but why would God send us to hell? I can answer this two ways. I'm going to answer it the simplest way because I don't want to go too much longer. God gave you and I free choice. Okay? If we were programmed, love couldn't exist. You know this. If I found a magic wand and I could put a spell on my wife and she would wake up every day saying, Clayton, can I rub your feet? Can I trim your toenails? Which would be a huge deal because I'm not very flexible and I run out of breath trying to like, <gasps> okay, just letting you in. Okay, it's a real big deal. Pass out. You know, what, you, what happened? Um, and if I could do this and Jennifer would just come in, can I go to Casey's and get your breakfast pizza? And every day she's like, can I, can I trim your nails? Can I rub your back? You just, do you want to buy more four-wheelers? Like, can we get a fishing boat, Clayton? Like if that... That would be awesome. But you know what I'd never feel? I'd never feel loved. Because she was programmed. It's like you going home and typing onto your computer, I love you, to yourself. And going, that computer sure loves me. Right? But God gave us free choice, which means that Jennifer, when she chooses to go, man, you look like you had a, a rough day. Do you care if I rub your back? That means a whole lot more. Would I get more back rubs if she was programmed? Yeah. Do I get way less because she's not? Yeah. But it means infinitely more because she chose to. And God looked at you, and because he loved you, he gave you the ability to choose him. He didn't program you. He didn't steal your identity but he's willing to give you a new one. And so, God respects you, which means when you say, I've sinned, I've fallen short, I'm not right, I need Jesus, he says, yes. And when you say, I've messed up, and I've done it wrong, and I need your grace again, God says, yes. And when you say, I need your mercy, because I keep failing, and I keep falling short, and I keep not being the person that I know you created me to be. And God, I need your help. God says, yes. And when you say, screw you, I don't need you. 
I don't want you in my life. God says, okay. And when you say, leave me alone, and when you say, I don't want a relationship with you, God says, okay. And when you say, God, I'm going to do my own thing, leave me alone, God, with a broken heart, says, okay. If you were to do anything else, it would make God a rapist who comes and imposes himself against you, against your free will, takes from you instead of gives to you. And so when it comes to heaven and hell, you choose. You choose. And God respects your decision. If you want the glories of heaven, if you want to be in the presence of the Lord, if you want to see your family and friends again, He says, yes, in Jesus. If you're saying, I I don't want you at all. That's what hell is. Hell is a place where God and everything about God is absent. And so to the stupid people who think, I'm going to go to hell, and I'm going to play my rock and roll, smoke my cigarettes, drink my beer, spit my chewing tobacco, and just have a good old time, I need you to know, um, ah, like, you're not going to be having sex because God made that. That'll be in heaven. Well, I don't know if it'll be in heaven, but it definitely won't be in hell. Okay? Uh, music, uh, God made that. So it, that there's no jukebox in hell. It, there is. It just doesn't work. Okay? It just plays Justin Bieber. That's all it does. Okay? That's hell. You're like, some of you are like, oh, actually, okay, I think we'll, I think we'll I'm here for the Bieber. Okay? <laughs> Bieber's on stage. Okay, so when you take that out of the okay well all right anyhow hell is none of the things that god made love where's that at that's not here loyalty that's not here smiles that's not here hope that's not here peace that's not here because all of those things are found in one place They're found in Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible tells us that the Father is in heaven. You can feel it. You've taken what you know in your head, and now you feel it in your heart. But here is where Christianity fails. We don't let it get to our hands. Because right now, all of you in here, you know somebody who, who doesn't know Jesus. And you keep waiting for somebody else to talk to him. You keep waiting for somebody else to invite him. You keep waiting for somebody else to love him. You keep waiting for somebody else to care for him. Oh, because you love the idea that Jesus is for you. Just as long as you don't have to give up any part of you to help somebody else find Jesus too. Jesus tells the story of a rich man who lived his life in luxury here on earth and a poor man who had nothing. They both die and the rich man goes to hell and the poor man goes to heaven. And there's a conversation that takes place. And the rich man who walked past Lazarus every day, never took care of him, 
never paid any attention. Even in hell, he cries out. Have Lazarus come and dip his finger in the water and just touch the tip of my tongue because I'm being, the word it uses is tormented, tortured. Jesus says, but there is a chasm that is fixed so far that nobody can cross it. No one from heaven can go to hell and no one from hell can go to heaven. The chasm is fixed. And the rich man, realizing that he's going to be in anguish forever, he cries out and he says, well then would you please send Lazarus to my brothers because I don't want them to experience what I'm experiencing. And Jesus says, even if I send Lazarus to them, they won't believe. This is a real story that Jesus told. It was a story he actually told about a person in the room. It would be like Jesus being in the room and saying, there was a guy standing on stage in a big bird shirt, and he was talking to everybody. Like, everybody in the room knew who Jesus was talking about. You know what's crazy? You read your Bible, there's a story of Jesus raising a man from the dead. Does anybody remember his name? Lazarus. Jesus tells the story about a rich man whose name was Caiaphas and a beggar named Lazarus. He never names the rich man in his story, but we know who he is because he has five brothers, and that's exactly who Caiaphas had. Caiaphas is the one who went on to actually be a part of Jesus' crucifixion. He tells the story. And in the story, the guy cries out, would you send Lazarus? Not too long after that, Mary and Martha leave their brother Lazarus, and Jesus goes to the tomb, and he says, Lazarus. And Lazarus comes out. In the King James Version, she says, don't call him out. Lord, he stinketh. He's been dead three days. And Lazarus comes out and walks among people after, after dying and going to heaven. And even then, Caiaphas didn't believe. My favorite book in the Bible, in Jude, it gives a mission statement to you and me. This is what it says. In Jude chapter 17, verse, or Jude verses 17 through 23, I want you to hear this. But dear friends, remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. There are people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and who do not live by the Spirit. He speaks out to the Christians. But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And while you wait, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others. Snatching them from the fire. Here's what I want to leave you with. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray, and there's going to be people on both sides of the stage who would love an opportunity to talk with you. If there are some of you in here who have never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I need you to hear this. Uh, your options right now are nothing or hell, but they don't have to be. It could be heaven. And that is why we exist. We go to heaven not because of what we've done. We go to Jesus because Christianity tells us that Jesus 
did on our behalf what we could never do ourselves. And as Christians, we've just simply accepted what he's done. And it's time for you to accept what he's done on your behalf. The rest of you in here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be super real with you. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, at the very least, there are two things you have to do tonight. One, you should spend a little bit of time on your knees thanking Jesus for what he did for you. Because what do you deserve? I deserve hell. But what do I get? I get heaven. How did I get it? Because Jesus left everything that was perfect and everything that was pure and he endured everything that was horrible and everything that was wicked. He took on my punishment. And he deserves a thanks. And we should give it to him. And the second thing, is there somebody in your life who doesn't know Jesus that you should pray that God would give you the courage to start doing something about it? Deal? Heavenly Father, would you guys stand? Heavenly Father, cover every area of this message that didn't resonate. Use everything that's going on in the hearts and the minds right now to bring about healing, change. God, I don't know who are all the people that are going to maybe respond to this message tonight. I don't know who are all the people that are going to respond in the future because of this message. But God, I know that nothing's going to change unless you're in it and unless we do something. And God, I know that you always show up. And God, I'm praying that you will give us the courage to do our part. In your name I pray. Amen.